0: Supporting you in your dog parenting journey. The Dynamic Dog Owner with Debbie Potter. Hello and welcome to the Dynamic Dog Owner. Today we are going to be talking all about recall. It's one of the most common areas, along with lead work, it's one of those common areas that people struggle with. Um And it's it's not sort of surprising why, because it is a big challenge. And I think as dog owners, we put an awful lot of pressure on ourselves to have our dogs off lead. Um, I've mentioned before, it almost seems like it's a bit of a bragging right of a sort of status of this is how well trained my dog is that they can go off lead. And it puts general, um, everybody, not just um, dog owners, but dog trainers, everyone under a lot of pressure to strive to have their dog reliable off lead as soon as possible. Which is understandable because we sort of envisage, when we have a dog, we envisage going for nice long walks in the countryside with them, just trundling along beside us, um, exploring, no lead, therefore there's no lead pressure and worrying about putting on the lead. Um, and it's kind of like the ultimate sort of fairy tale image, I suppose, of having a dog that they will be able to be trusted off lead and you're going to enjoy lovely, lovely little walks. So it is a goal that people kind of strive towards. Um, but it, for me especially, not just as a dog owner but as a trainer too, it can really take a while to feel confident in your dog's ability that they will come back no matter what the situation, and almost trust them in every situation. And I always say, you know, what is a reliable recall? Because you haven't practiced it in every situation. It's impossible to do so because you, you know, every day you experience something slightly different or a different set of circumstances, and therefore. You don't know if your recall is going to work in every situation, but you can be pretty certain. Um, So, you know, your dog walk should be brilliant. It should be the best part of your day. But for many people, it is the most challenging. Um, And if your dog is off lead, running away, not listening to you, it can be pretty damn stressful and embarrassing too. So today we're going to explore the top tips, so to say, of um, your journey towards a reliable recall. The things you can do to ensure that you're going to reach success as soon as possible. Now, my most important one um, is management. And you may think that's a bit of a strange term. We're not sitting in a a, a business meeting. We don't need management. Um, But management means to manage a situation. So how can we manage a situation? We've all heard, you know, practice makes perfect. And we often think of that as in terms of, I need to get better at doing it. So I'll practice my recall as much as possible. But dogs will learn how to get better at something no matter what it is, if they do it, and if there is a good reward. So we kind of don't realise that this saying, practice makes perfect, also applies to unwanted behaviours, so unwanted things. If your dog is off lead and enjoys running away after things, chasing birds, going away and saying hello to other dogs, or finds smells more rewarding than you... They are getting a reward for it. They are practicing what you don't want them to do. And therefore, they will simply get better at it. So whether it's a good habit or a bad habit, if they practice it, they will get better at it. And obviously, this applies to to recall. It applies to lead work. It applies to anything in the house. It applies to all situations, not just for dogs, but for people too. And I find one of the most common mistakes people make is to give their dog too much freedom too soon with recall and many other areas too, which allows them to basically too much freedom too soon means from a very young age, they let them off the lead and almost just cross the fingers and go, let's hope it works. Um, And obviously sometimes, yeah, some people are blessed that their dog is amazing off lead and never really has a problem. Um, But if they do have too much freedom, so they're allowed off of lead, before you have tested and trained a strong recall, the likelihood is that they are going to practice unwanted behaviours. They're going to practice going a little bit too far away from you than you would like, running and saying hello to other dogs, running off to say hello to them, going and saying hi to people, chasing birds, um, chasing any little squirrels or rabbits they may see. And essentially, in that situation, they are allowed to and practice ignoring us and discovering that their environment is so much more exciting than anything we have on offer which obviously means our recall is going to not be as powerful so management plays a really important role in our journey to a perfect recall Um, because management means we are creating situations where our dog can get it right so we're maximizing the opportunity for success and minimizing the opportunity to practice the things we don't want to happen so a question sort of to ask yourself the question is how how can i manage my dog's world how can i ensure that they are not able to practice ignoring me and having fun with distractions and choosing to go away how can i ensure they always come back to me when i call them and never go too far away there is a super simple answer And it may seem a bit obvious and it may seem a little bit of a cop-out, so to speak. But the answer is a lead. If they are on a lead, they cannot chase birds. They cannot go and say hello to other dogs. They cannot go a bit too far away than we would like. But they can always stay close to us. They are going to be able to listen to us a little bit better because they are attached to us, quite simply. Now... Amazing. That's a little bit of a, a silly answer, um, and it's like, well, that's just—it's not working on my recall. It's just a cop out. I would disagree, <laughs> quite simply, because it's a management tool. It's a think of it as a a crutch. If you have damaged your foot and it's you're finding it hard to walk, you use a crutch to help you whilst you are gaining, regaining strength and feeling confident to walk unaided again. A long line is the same. It's a tool to help your dog learn how to have a good recall and to prevent them falling over um, and getting it wrong. So keeping your dog on a lead doesn't have to be a short lead. So it doesn't have to be your normal, sort of, as we call it, a traffic lead, a two-metre lead that you would walk along a road with. It can be a long line, so a long lead, now, obviously, there are so many different ones out there. We've spoken about uh, long leads before. But 5 to 10 metres is absolutely perfect length. Any more, I think you get a little bit tangled and it kind of defeats the object um, at the beginning training stages. But a long line means they are attached to you. They still have freedom. So they can travel 5 or 10 metres away from you. They can still display natural movement. So sniffing from left to right, following sense. It mimics being off lead, but... It ensures they can stay with you and get it right. They make sure they're practicing what we want and not practicing the unwanted, choosing to ignore you or running away. So they are really, really, really important as a management tool. And I think that is for me one of my top tips. You know, keep your management in place until you can trust it. So until you can. Practice your regal in multiple different places, multiple different situations and know that the lead is not keeping them with you. So for example, they don't get to the end of the lead. If they get to the end of the lead, the lead stops them, then they make a choice. We're relying on the lead for them to make that good choice. If they're on a long line and they're mooching around, they look up, they see something, they care about their business, they look up, they choose to come back to you and not get into the lead. We know it's their behaviour and their learned behaviours, their or practiced behaviors that is making them make that choice rather than the lead so when your dog can be on a long line and not needing to reach the end of the lead or around distractions that's when we can start to trust their equal a little bit more and start to gradually have short spells without the long line and without the crutch and low level distractions so management is the most important part of training It's not necessarily about training, but it's a tool to help our training be maximised to the best of its potential. The other thing to consider with recall especially is motivation. We all need motivation. Um, Everyone has to be motivated to undertake a task. If it's not exciting enough, if it's not interesting enough, if it's not something we want to do, then there is no motivation there. Dogs are exactly the same. Whatever they are doing, whether it be something you want or something you don't want, it's because there is motivation to do that task. So often with recall, we un- misunderstand the motivation and um, we aren't fully understanding what the motivation behind our dog's behavior is. And therefore, we find it really hard to create situations or almost channel their energy and their focus into something that we do want. So knowing what motivates them really helps. So in terms of recall, motivation can be anything that your dog wants to go to, to get, anything that's further away from you. Um, So it could be the motivation of chasing a furry animal. It could be the motivation of, I want to go and say hello to another dog. It could be, I just want to run. It could be, I'd like to go home actually, and I'm not on the lead so I can make that choice. So there's lots of different things that motivate them. And understanding that will help us because we have to provide something to our dog that motivates them to want to come back to us and want to return to us. Um, and it always means you are almost one up for them. You're, you've got the upper hand. Yeah, you are one step ahead. So we get into the trap of thinking that the, the rewards that we offer, the motivation we have on our, us as a trainer, as a handler, is food. And that's all we can use to reward our dog oh, my treats aren't good enough. It's, we use treats primarily because they're easy. Let's face it, it's easy for us to get and they're easy for us to deliver. We don't have to think too much. And some dogs, your Labradors are a good one to use as an example, are always hungry, always motivated by food. I say always, 99% of the time. But sometimes just delivering a piece of food is not gonna be enough, quite simply. Because it's not what your dog wanted in that moment. So imagine you ordered a takeaway and you ordered a pizza. So a pizza to be delivered. And you went, right, tonight I have a really fancy pizza. We're ordering a takeaway pizza. And ping pong your doorbell goes and the delivery driver is there, but he's got a Chinese takeaway. It's still a takeaway. You still haven't got to cook. It still tastes nice. It's the Chinese you had last week, so you know you like it. But on that day, you wanted pizza. So is the Chinese good enough? No, because it's not what I wanted. And that's no different to when we are using rewards with our dogs and going, you wanted to eat a piece of food off of the floor that you shouldn't eat. I'll reward you with food. That's our pizza for pizza. You wanted to go and chase that dog. Well, come here for a piece of food. I didn't want a piece of food. I wanted to chase that dog and go and play with it so that's rubbish it's it's not like for like and that's where understanding the motivation can really help because then we can use our rewards to be similar so if they are after food or scavenging food works brilliant food rewards work brilliantly if they are wanting to chase an animal like a little furry animal then we can try and simulate chase as part of our recall so playing with toys playing with food having to chase it If they want to play with another dog, and that's the drive, the motivation to go and say hello to other dogs, they could play with us. We can become fun and interactive just like another dog would. Thinking about these situations that our dogs are distracted by, the things they want in the world, A, we work out what they're trying to achieve, what their motivation is. But equally, we can play around with our rewards and find out what we can give them to match what they wanted so that we are as similar to it as possible. And therefore, our rewards are matching their motivation. Just like if you order a pizza, you get a pizza. Motivation is really, really, really important. Some dogs, it is just a case of, I need better treats. Some dogs, you do have to work a little bit harder, especially when it comes to distractions. So thinking about those in your sort of everyday life, it may be worthwhile Um, you know every time you go for a walk make a little note why was my dog distracted today what distracted them what do I think they wanted in this situation and then you are researching sort of almost your dog's preferences so that you can help them to be motivated and be rewarded with you rather than external factors now obviously this kind of brings us on to distractions which is another area where we have a top tip all dogs get distracted and distractions are a biggie every dog will get distracted and every dog will be distracted by different things some it will be smells some it will be other dogs some it will be just be the world there are particular ages where they are more distracted so your puppies and your adolescent dogs are likely to be more distracted and find distractions harder to manage than our adult dogs who are already sort of emotionally mature so don't throw them in the deep end quite simply Don't go to the busiest place possible, let them off the lead and try and recall them because the likelihood of it working is slim to none. And what our aim is for training is that we try to set our dogs up for success. Trying to create situations where you know they can get it right means you both are onto a winner. So don't go to the busiest place possible and then start training. Start easy. So start in the house, in the garden, practice your recall word. They have to know what it means and what the consequences are and really understand that without any distractions before we start to put it into a real life setting. So practice at the house, practice in the garden, practice in quiet places. Make sure they have a history of recall being fun, recall being great and then gradually introduce distractions ensuring you use your long line our management tool so that if they find it hard and they are getting to the lead they cannot practice the unwanted and the only rewards happen with you and obviously it's really common when it comes to distractions that people will say to us and I'm I've, I've experienced the same too my dog will recall beautifully when it's just me and him but as soon as there's another dog around, actually, we find it really hard. As soon as there's squirrels around, he can't do it. And it sounds a little, a little bit strange, but it's it's not necessarily recall that's actually the problem at that point. Because your recall is good. It's more the distractions. And if your dog is always wanting to go and say hello to another dog or go and chase a bird, you've actually got to tackle that, their emotions and their neutrality, for a better word, Um, so feeling a neutral no big emotions around another dog or knowing that actually i don't need to chase something that's the actual issue it's self-control and impulse control that is more important than actually your recall so it's working in combination of practicing your recall also desensitizing them to the distractions in the world and then when we work on both areas that's when we come together sometimes it can be really hard to work out actually what is distracting your dog because sometimes it's really hard to see. If there's nothing in the environment and they are still finding it difficult, it's hard to notice because you go, well, what, what are they interested in now? Because their senses are stronger than ours. They, they will see things, feel the way that your light like, didn't even notice it. They'll smell things a much further distance than us. So often it is really difficult for you to spot what is actually distracting them simply because we aren't as in tune to our senses as they are. So it may be worth, again, a little bit similar to um, the previous tip, um, to make a note. When you're out on your walk, you know, take a little voice note and send it to yourself or um, voice notes I find are really easy because you haven't got to type while you're um, walking along. You can just hold the button down and like WhatsApp yourself. Um, write down, what is it that my dog is distracted by? Every time you go out for a walk for a week, just make a little note. What are they finding distracting you then get a list of the distractions you need to work around. If you understand why, so a bit like the motivation, if you understand the motivation, if you also understand what is distracting, it means you are one step ahead of the game. It's easier then to work on your recall. Another thing is training, not testing, which I know we've done a whole episode on, but this is particularly relevant to recall. The majority of us test our dogs to see if they can do it rather than make situations where we know they can do it and there we're training. So try to make sure you are training rather than testing. If you know you're in a situation where they cannot recall and they're going to find it really difficult, don't unclip the lead. Keep it on. That way we are training, not testing. If we are creating situations where we show them what we'd like them to do. We help them to get it right. We show them and help them to choose to make those good decisions or the things we want them to do. We then help them to know how to make good choices in the future. And making good choices is, for me, the most important thing in training. Teaching your dog how to make the right choice so you don't actually have to intervene and recall them in the first place. So testing your recall, so to look at examples, testing your recall would be they are already running off after a pigeon. You shout, come with your fingers crossed going, I hope this works. That's testing because you aren't certain it's going to work. They're already doing the thing you don't want them to do. They're already running away and you're testing your recall to see if it will work. The likelihood of it working first time is slim to none. It might if you've been training quite a bit but there's always that risk or higher risk that it won't. Training your recall is having them in an enclosed area. If they chase after the bird, wait till they get to the fence, they realise they can't do it and then you recall them back. So they're never going to get that reward or you keep them on the long line in the first place. You're helping them make sure they get it right. So it's a big question to ask yourself all the time, am I training or am I testing? It's no different to our marathon runners. You don't just wake up one morning and go, think I'll run a marathon today and test your ability to run 26.2 miles. You train for it, often for months, six months to a year. Every day, building your stamina, building your body's patterns and strength of how to do this, building your mental capacity to take on such a big task. We need to do the same with our training. Think of it like preparing for a marathon. Every day when you practice your recall word in the garden, every day when you practice in controlled distraction areas, every day when you practice on a long line, you are training ready for the big event. Top tips in terms of recall. It's really difficult because obviously I can't tell you exactly what to do because that's not really what this podcast is about. Um, It's more about you looking at things differently. It's more about the human end. Um, But one of the most... I mean, the best thing we've got, and I'm just, I am think the world, the people, dog owners of today are incredibly lucky to have dog walking fields. I know I bang on about it, but we are so lucky because they weren't a thing 10 years ago. I mean, they were never heard. People, if you said to somebody, even now, you say to someone, you can rent out a bit of space with a fence around it for people to walk with their dogs. They go, what? Why would they use that? People don't understand the importance of it and the benefits of it. Dogs need to move. They need to run. They need to explore. They need to follow sense. So by, if we keep them on a short leader on a long line every single minute of every single day, naturally their frustration is going to build. They are going to get a little bit of pent-up energy because they're not having to run. Yes, they help us with our recall and it solves the problem of not running away, but it's all about creating a healthy balance. They need to have opportunity to run. And feel free. So, a dog walking field provides that safe space to do that. So, in our walks, if we're then going a little bit of lead work, time on a long line, practicing around distractions, fenced field, just have a ball, do what you like, have fun, that way we're creating a healthy balance between the short lead walks, the long line walks, and freedom. And having a healthy balance is the key to success. We've got dog walking fields up and down the country, make use of them, even if it's only for a short period of time, six months, if it's once a week, once a month, however often you can do it. It's an amazing opportunity to provide that safe environment and the opportunity for your dog to run free, to not have to worry about being called, to just explore and have fun generally there are minimal distractions generally the environment is there's nothing you really need to recall them away from because there are no dangers and obviously when you do hire a dog walking field if your recall is that bad (laughs) that your dog isn't going to actually come near to you for you to grab them and get them back on the lead which is really common don't worry if that happens to you because it is really common because generally what tends to happen is we try and grab them they learn to evade us and we try and grab them a bit more and we create this really unhealthy balance So if you are hiring a dog walking field and their recall means they don't actually want to come back to us when it's time to go home, leave a long line on them. Let it trail along in the ground behind them so at the end you can easily pick it up. And that kind of is a good point actually to think a little bit about. Um, Sometimes it's not recall that's the issue. The end result of recall is to get them next to you and pop their lead back on. That's the end goal, to get them back under control and safe sometimes and it happens more than you think you recall your dog they come close to you but it's when they you go to put the lead on or the harness on that they then go whoa no (laughs) don't do that and they chart they run off and they play all this little like um chicken and egg game with you like i'm gonna come close no i'm not i'm gonna come close no you can't put me a lead on in that situation is recall your issue or is actually putting the lead and harness on your issue so again, it's a little bit like um, we talked about earlier with the, the distractions. Sometimes it's not recall, it's emotions around dogs and the distractions. Sometimes it's actually the emotions around putting the lead back on and how we do it. Because we tend to, I see it quite a lot um, because people panic and that's absolutely understandable that we grab them and hold on to them really tight while we're trying to fiddle with the lead. And then our dogs go, this is weird. This is uncomfortable. It's a really high pressure situation. I actually feel quite uncomfortable. So they don't want to come back. So at home in the garden, one of the best things you can practice is putting the lead on, taking the lead off, taking hold of their collar, giving them a reward and then letting go again. So that the process of actually getting back under control and putting the lead on isn't the issue. And that's why in our courses, if any of you have done our recall course or are thinking about doing our equal course, whether it be online um, or in a group in a group class. One of the things we start on, we always start at the beginning. The beginning is: can they be comfortable having the lead put on and off? Because sometimes in week one we've solved people's problem, and they go, "Cool, I'm fixed now. <laughs> it's not a problem anymore." Because that is the issue, not their equal. So when we think of of training, we think of it as being um, a real task. Especially when we're talking about lead work, recall, the biggies, you know, like reactivity, etc. We, we're talking about the, the essential skills that we need to be able to enjoy a walk with our dog. Some things aren't as important. Therefore, we put an awful lot of pressure on ourselves to get it right. It's seen as a challenge rather than a fun journey. And obviously, then you get negative. Your dog feels negative. You feel pretty naff. You feel like you know good at it. Your dog then feeds off of that, and it just becomes a vicious circle of oh god, we're doing recall training again. So, dogs can have fun on lead and off lead. Make sure your training is fun. Often, dogs see off lead as being just the best bit in the world, or we see it, and dogs see it as being the best bit in the world. But being on lead can be fun. It doesn't have to be boring. On lead walks can be fun. Off lead walks can be boring. But the most important thing is that you and your dog are having fun together. So don't think of your recall as standing in a field, calling your dog and then not doing anything when they come back and going, oh, you took a long time. Have a party, make it fun. One of again, it's a common mistake we make. But when we they come back to us, no matter how long it took them, we then get cross with them because like, oh, you took five minutes to come back, and you should have only been one minute. If we don't reward them for that, they go well next time. I won't come back for ten minutes. Then, no matter how long it takes them to get back to you, reward them and have the best time ever, so that they know it is good always to come back to you. If you come back and you get cross with them, they're going to go. What's the point? It'd be like hanging around with a friend who's always miserable moaning at you. You know, every time I see my friend, oh, they're always moaning. They're always criticising what I'm wearing or my latest hairstyle or whatever. You're then going to go, why do I want to go out for coffee with this person? Because they just make me feel shit. No different to when our dog has been off lead. Maybe, yes, they haven't done everything we've wanted to do. Maybe they chased a pigeon. Maybe they went and said hello to a dog they weren't supposed to. But if they come back and you are annoyed with them and if you don't shower them with praise they will go, what's the point next time? So even if it takes them 20 minutes to come back to you, have an absolute party when they come back to you. Make it the best thing possible so that even though they went off and had fun elsewhere, coming back to you was also really fun. Take some pressure off. Think of everything you do with your dog, whether it be focused on your actual goal or not. It's all about improving relationship and relationship between you and your dog is often more important than anything any of the training you do so going and doing something fun with them even if it's nothing to do with recall at all will help your recall in a roundabout way because it will build your connection and your bond and your relationship and that will be one of the main, main things around your success so, so building on that you know when they do come back to you have a, you know, really make it a big deal If when your dog comes back to you, you give them one piece of dry kibble, they'll be like, that is naff. If they come back and you give them 20 sausages, one after the other, as you're like playing with them, that becomes a huge value. So don't just give them one treat. Give them 10 one after the other. As you do so, you know, drop them on the floor, throw one in the air for them to catch. Wow, it's so fun being back with my human. They are so much better than a squirrel or a bird, they're amazing. Now, obviously, with recall, and anything, let's face it, not just, not just recall, but anything, you aren't going to see results instantly. And I think, in the world we live in today, where we get instant satisfaction in so many different ways, you know, the, you get like a dopamine hit from going on social media, you want we want stuff so much quicker than we ever did there's studies that say now you know that our brains have to be sort of satisfied and get that boost within so many seconds or we're not interested it's not going to happen in regal training or any training you're not going to see instant results you have to work at it and i think that is often one of the biggest challenges from the human end because we do want a quick fix of course we do everybody would And you're not going to be able to book a six-week recall course and it suddenly be magically fixed because that's not realistic. If your dog has been practising something for a year, expect it to take at least a year for them to undo that behaviour. So you have to have a good time frame to practise and measure your success and your progress. So for recall, depending on what age they are at, you need a good six months to really dedicate to time and patience of, of training to dedicate to that i'm practicing every day i know i'm in for the long haul long-term results come from slow progress so the slower your progress the better the results will be miracles don't happen overnight let's face it so six months if your puppy if you have a puppy who is young i would say longer They have to come out through adolescence, wait for their brain to sort of settle down um, and mature before we're likely to see recall success. And now, depending on your dog's breed, that can be quite a while. So obviously, I have big breeds; they tend to mature slower. So for my guys, I don't expect a good recall until they're three. So for three years, they are practicing. on long lines, management, until they can prove to me that recall is pretty reliable. And, you know, if if you don't get there, that's again, not a problem. Um, But stick with your, give yourself realistic time, stick with your method. So keep doing it, be consistent. Don't go after one week, I didn't work and give up because it's going to take longer. You guys know that if you pick up a new habit, you can't do it for a week and then expect to be like superstar at it. It's going to take time to develop your skills. You have to be consistent and committed to your training. So obviously my dogs are currently, I mean, they keep growing and I keep getting how old they are, but they are six, four and two. Out of all of my three, I have one that I trust off lead. One. That's because he is, he has the strongest relationship with me. That's the reason I trust him off lead, because if I say his name, he instantly comes to me and goes, yes, mum. 90% of the time he walks next to me. He isn't as distracted by the environment as the others. He has attachment issues, so that helps with his recall. (laughs) I mean, it's a positive um, from a negative situation. Um, But he was on a long line until he was 18 months, because adolescence, naturally, it, it got worse um even now in some situations i go no i'm not letting him off today because he's not in the right mood or there are too many distractions and i don't know if he will listen and i don't want to be that dog owner who has the dog um who goes off and bees pickle now my eldest dog dave he's six he's seven this coming year um in a few months actually gosh that's coming around quick um he still doesn't go off lead in public and you may think, well, she can't be a very good trainer then, can she? <laughs> um, but I think it's very fair for me to tell you about the struggles I have with my dogs. Because every dog is different. And some personalities and some characters of dogs just they never get there with certain things. He is a big, exuberant dog. Um, and he's a loud dog. And he's so friendly. He has to go and say hi to people. Because he's like, hello, be my best friend. Which, for me, it's not safe. It's not fair on other people to let my very large black Labrador run over to them saying hi. I know he's super friendly. I know he's not going to do anything other than maybe eat your sandwiches um, if you're having a picnic. He's not going to hurt anybody. But is that fair on other people? We've been practicing for six and a half years now of stay with me. Don't go and say hello to anybody else. Stay with me unless I tell you you can go and say hi. And to be fair, he's doing really well, but I still don't fully trust him. I'm happier and I'm more relaxed when he's on a long line. Even if recently, the last sort of year, he never gets to the end of that long line and he is stopping before he gets there, looking, making choices and coming back to me. It's finally, I'm finally starting to see results. But that's taken six years. Six years. But that's cool. He goes to secure fields. He has a wonderful life. Does it matter if he isn't off lead? I don't think so at all. In fact, I think it's better for both of us because we are continually building our relationship. I can relax and enjoy a walk with him rather than going, oh God, I hope he doesn't see anything. I'm not scouring the environment going, oh God, oh God, where's the next thing? Where's the next thing? Might he run after that? Might he run after that? Oh, oh. I don't enjoy it if I feel like that. So it takes the stress out of a walk for both of us helps him to make sure he gets it right and it makes sure that he's not getting himself into mischief there's nothing wrong with that so if your dog never goes off lead it's not a bad thing it really isn't a bad thing they are still having a wicked life they're still having all the opportunities that other dogs have on a long line that they do off lead remember the part of dog ownership is being responsible there are a lot of laws around dog ownership that people aren't aware of and for me I would prefer to be responsible and keep him on a lead rather than him getting to mischief and it end badly. Now, my youngest dog, Fred, who's just two, um, he hasn't even reached emotional maturity yet. So, you know, <laughs> we're working on it still. I've got, actually, I'm quite optimistic at how well he's doing. Considering he was the most distracted dog in the world, <laughs> it's taken me... A lot of hard work in the last couple of years for him to just even know I was around. He doesn't like having a lead on. He is very wary of the world. Is very on edge. It's taken us a long time just to build up that relationship and build up his confidence. Because we have spent so long on the groundwork, all of a sudden recalls coming really easy to him. So it's, again, a really good example of slow progress. Slow progress gets you those results quicker. So yes, we haven't done a lot with him. Um, He hasn't done half as many things as my other dogs have because of his nature. He doesn't know many tricks. He um, hasn't been to as many places as them because it's just too difficult for him. But we have spent a long time on looking at the world around you, remembering I'm here, not being practising chasing stuff or going off and saying hello to stuff, building his confidence. And this year actually when we were on holiday this year, it was the first time, so he was just two, it's the first time I've been confident enough to let his lead drop on the floor because he'd shown me he could do it. And he had a two hour walk with his lead trailing. Um, I could pick it up if I needed to, but I didn't need to do it once. He walked past other dogs without saying hello. He walked past people without saying hello. He recalled from chasing pigeons. And I was amazed. I was absolutely amazed at the progress we had made, even though we haven't really been working on recall. Because we've been ta- we've taken that time, two years to really build our relationship and build our bond, and we have a massive trust between each other now. So every dog is different, and that's something to really, really remember. Um, you know there are there is another episode if you sort of scroll back through them um, on you know individual dogs and accepting your dog for who they are. Because that's a massive factor. Yes, we should work on recall. Even if you never intend to let your dog off lead, you should absolutely work on recall for the what if situations. But if you don't get there, it really doesn't matter. Your dog is still having a wicked life, even if they are on a lead. So, as we sort of always say, it's hard to measure success with these things, Um, especially when you're in it for the long haul. (laughs) So, it can be that, you know, when you're out training, practice for 10 minutes how did your session go give it a mark out of 10 the game i like to play um and i find this is really 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 useful is counting how many times you successfully recalled your dog so as you're going for a walk and you say your recall word count on one hand how many times it worked and then on the other hand count how many times it didn't work so you said their recall you tried to get them back and they ignored you because one step forward two steps back we want our positive recalls to outweigh these because for every one successful we need no negatives if we have a negative where we call them and it doesn't work we need to do at least two or three positive ones to outweigh it so just taking that sort of check and going right today i called them five times and i didn't they didn't listen once amazing today i only called them and they came back once but they didn't listen five times gives us a little bit of a reality check because sometimes we just say it without realizing because it's so easy to do um but keeping that kind of little measure almost playing a we call it the recall game counting game um count your recalls it helps you to see where your success is so there are obviously top tips for recall could i could go on for hours um because there are so many little things that we can do to help recall but these are kind of like the the general Ones. Um, so you know your your management, your long line, so 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 important. Knowing what motivates your dog in terms of why they want to go and chase stuff or do stuff you don't want them to do, and also what we can have that motivates them. Being aware of their distractions. So what is distracting to your dog, and knowing what it is means you understand them a little bit more. Making sure you are training, not testing. And that is so, so, so important. We want to be training for that marathon, not running it without any training and finding your space for them to have freedom. Our back gardens these days are not big enough, or most people's are, I know mine isn't, for dogs to run and really run and enjoy being a dog and to sniff and track and forage, etc. So hiring a space where you can take your dog to just be free is really important Making it super duper fun and setting a realistic time frame. It's not gonna happen in a week. It's not gonna happen overnight. As I say with my Fred, it's taken two years, but the two years are worth it for the next ten years of his life. So hopefully you've found this useful. Um as I said, sort of as through the episode, we do deliver online recall training programmes and we do also have group training persons at our venue. Um, in buckinghamshire so if you are needing help with your recall no matter where you live we can help you whether it is in person or online get in touch with us we would love to hear from you and don't forget you can join our facebook community group where we can talk about recall um you can share your journey and ask for any advice and tips in the group and benefit from our community group have a wonderful week and i will catch up with you all very very soon Thank you for listening to The Dynamic Dog Owner with me, Debbie Potter. See you next time.